Good morning. Happy New Year. Well, so, little bit of context. Now, um, I'm excited about this scripture. I love parables. Um, there's eight parables that are being covered. So we, we're going we're gonna, to, church is going to go way longer today. I'm just kidding. Um, we're just going to cover three. So I made some choices within the text just to cover three. It's all the, part of the same um, scripture chunk and piece. And um, I'm excited about parables, but let me give you the context, and I think it gets even more interesting. I've heard these parables before, but when you hear the context, you go, hmm, you know? If you got something a little under here, you, you know, you go, hmm, like that. And, uh, and so this is the context. Before Jesus was on the scene, there was John the Baptist. He was the forerunner. He was the guy who comes before Jesus, like when you get a speaker here and someone comes up first and gives the introduction, kind of hypes up the speaker. That was John the Baptist. So John the Baptist was on the scene and um, he was a very interesting figure, but he was really preparing the people for Jesus. He was kind of hyping things up. And if you go back in those chapters, I think it's like chapter 4, some of the things that John the Baptist said about Jesus, woo! Like he was saying, um, when, when, when this man comes, he's going to baptize with the Holy Spirit and fire. Like how many of you know what that means? Like, I don't know if they knew what that meant. But, you know, people are wondering, like, baptism by fire, do I want that? You know, you know that's, that sounds like it's going to hurt. But it's, it's, it's something that is, um, well, it sounds like it's judgment. And then John the Baptist talked about how when Jesus is coming, he has his winnowing fork in his hand. You guys know what a winnowing fork is? Yeah, you don't eat with that. Uh, what you do is you use you, you shovel, not fork, sorry, it's shovel. What you do is you take that shovel and you separate wheat from chaff. And so here is this decisive figure who's going to come. And he's going to start baptizing people with fire. And he's going to start dividing people. He's going to be this revolutionary figure. So get ready. And then Jesus comes. And, uh, and then we go ten chapters later, right? And now we're in chapter 13. And Jesus came and people were part of his ministry. And, and then at, at the end of, of 10 chapters, people are kind of looking around and going, I don't know if I see it. I don't know if I see it. Like this great political, social reform. I don't know if we've experienced that. Has that happened? Because I certainly, and they're like kind of asking each other, is, is Jesus really who John said he was going to be? Because I don't see this great political reform that he's bringing. In fact, I don't know if I really see that much that's happening. And I'm just wondering if there are some people here who might relate to that. You might be thinking today, like, when Jesus comes into a person's life, what are we supposed to expect like, I, I know he brings change, or does he bring change, or what kind of change? Because I'm looking at my own, now, now let me just ask you, just a quick poll. How many of you guys did New Year's resolutions? You can go ahead and um, raise, your, raise your hand to me. 
Okay, maybe like half, and I'm being generous, maybe half of you did. Now, uh, among you people who did, when you were thinking about your resolutions for 2018, was there a little bit of reflection like, hmm, this sounds familiar, because I think I actually had the same resolution in 2017, and I'm not really sure I grew that much. It, and, and so you're wondering, what am I supposed to expect? And maybe you're wondering, I don't know if I'm really satisfied. And so if you're in that same place, um, I think chapter 13 is really for you. It totally fit the context of Jesus. I think there's something here for you today. Okay, are you guys ready to go into the word of God? Okay. But just one more thing. <laughs> uh, just one more thing. Um, okay, so I said there's eight parables, and six of the eight parables open the same way. And they have the same opening line, and it goes like this. The kingdom of heaven is like this. The kingdom of heaven is like this. The kingdom of heaven is like this. Six different times. So I'm thinking that I should probably define what the kingdom of heaven is. It's probably a good idea. How many of you guys have ever read the Gospels and you've heard that and you've wondered, what does that mean? You know, Jesus keeps on repeating it, kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven. What does that mean? When I was in college, I had the same question. As part of this Bible study group, we're going through the, the Gospel of Mark, kingdom of God. Kept on coming up, kept on coming up. One day I look at my Bible study leader, I said, what does this mean? Jesus says it a lot. What does this mean? I, here's the thing. He gave a definition, but I don't think he really knew. You know, that, that, was, my, that was my secret suspicion. He, I think he was like, kind of like going, uh, well, okay, it's kingdom, so what do you need in a kingdom? And we were like, uh, you need a king, and you need people. And I think he kind of went, that sounds good, let's make that our working definition. But those are just the characters, right? He didn't really define what's the relationship between the king and his subjects, so it led me to go, okay, I have that working definition, but that working definition really isn't working for me. And so I, I've been kind of like wondering and searching and looking around, and I think I've found a definition for the kingdom of heaven that is satisfying. Now I'm going to share it with you, and you tell me what you think, okay? What is the kingdom of heaven? You have a king, you have his subjects, what's the relationship? Here's my best definition. The kingdom of heaven is the redemptive reign of God in Christ. Now, I heard that. I was thinking about what that means, and I actually think that's pretty satisfying. It explains the relationship between the king and his subjects. It's the redemptive, it's the redemptive reign of God in Christ. Did I say that, or did I say relationship? Well, it's, it's a reign. It's redemptive reign of God in Christ. Now, in that um, third song that we were singing, I had to do a little bit of explaining. Why is the word redemptive there? You guys know the, uh, the, the third song we were singing today was, um, oh, yeah, I heard the Savior say, thy strength indeed is small. Child of weakness, watch and pray. Find me thine all in all. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. That's the redemptive part. That's why we celebrate that part. Now, this is pretty exciting because all of us were lost. All of us were just lost in sin. And God comes with his rescue plan and he sends his son Jesus to die on a cross. And it's this most amazing event and this most amazing exchange that if we put our trust in Jesus, then all his righteousness goes on to us. 
and all our sin went on to him on the cross. And that's why we celebrate, because it's just an amazing message of grace. And when that happens, and God comes into a person's life and they receive his forgiveness, man, life changes. And you have a king. And you love this king, and you obey this king, and your life is filled with his grace, and your life just starts to change. Can I get an amen? Yeah, thank you. <laughs> so the redemptive reign of God in Christ is the kingdom of heaven. So when you hear kingdom of heaven, you're thinking the redemptive reign of Christ. One more thing. We're about to go into maybe three parables. So I think it would behoove me to try to explain how do you listen to a parable? How do you make sense of a parable? How does a person understand parables? Well, let me tell you how some people think of it, and then I'm going to actually think that. I don't think that's the way that you understand parables. Some people think that parables, you, um, there's all these different parts, and so you might read a parable and come away with five different points. I actually don't think that's how you read a parable. I think every parable has one driving point. One driving point. And really, you're supposed to look for the takeaway point. You come away with the takeaway point, and then you really try to apply with the Holy Spirit's help. How do I apply that takeaway point? So as we look at these parables, I'm going to be asking you, what do you think is that one driving point? In fact, I was going to ask you guys to turn to one another and try to, you know, try to give your best um, articulation of what that main driving point is. I don't normally do this, but because you guys love to share so much, we're going to do it, okay? Okay, here it goes. Starting in verse 24. He put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared also. And the servants of the master of the house came to him. Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? And he said to them, an enemy has done this. So the servant said to him, then do you want us to go and, and, and gather them? But he said, no, no. Lest in gathering the weeds, you, you root up the wheat along with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at harvest time, I'll tell the reapers, gather the weeds first, bind them up in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. I'm just wondering, if Jesus just gave that teaching, I'm wondering if you would actually just get it. You're like, oh, no, I get it. This is, I don't want to say rare, but this is one of those occasions where Jesus is like, you know, I'm going to explain this parable, each part, but I still think there is an explanation beyond that that we have to do. So um, what you do is we're going to now skip to verse 36. And we're going to uh, go through the explanation of that parable. And then later on for the second half of the message, we're going to cover the parable, the two parables, the couplets that, that's in between. Now Jesus explains the parable. Here it is. Then he left the crowds and went into the house. And his disciples came to him saying, explain to us the parable, the weeds of the field. He answered, the one who sows the good seed 
is the son of man. By the way, that's Jesus. Jesus referencing himself. The one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. And the good seed is the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one, and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are angels. Just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so it will be at the end of our age. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will gather out his kingdom all causes of sin and lawbreakers, and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. He who has ears, let him hear. By the way, um, just an aside, this is, this is why we want to go through the Gospel of Matthew um, systemically and systematically. It's because I think if, if we had our choice on what parable to talk about or what teaching, we probably wouldn't teach this one, right? But it's in the scripture, so we need to talk about it. It's important. So can you turn to someone next to you and you come, like if there was one driving idea in this parable, how would you identify it? Turn to someone next to you, give them your best shot. Um, just do the best you can. Don't worry, you're not going to get a grade. Go and share. Okay, uh, let's come back together. All right, I know when we do this and I speak next, it almost seems like I'm saying whatever I say is right. But um, if we had more time, I would want to hear what you guys say. Um, I, I do think it is, there is a driving point. I'm going to give you my best shot, and I'm going to build upon that, okay? Now, what do we think the driving point? I think it's a little bit hard to deny. I think it's kind of obvious. The good seed, you, well, let me explain, okay? Let me, it's, I think it's building up to it. You have good seed. Good seed are doing their good thing. You have bad seed, and bad seed are bad, doing their bad thing. Now, I just want to explain good seed. You're like, what's good seed? It, you know when I talked about the redemptive reign of Christ, and I talked about the cross, that is, that's how good seed happens. And please don't read this parable and be like, oh, Jesus is saying I got to earn my way to heaven. He's not saying that. Jesus earned your way to heaven. So good seed are people who have received the grace of God. They received the forgiveness of God. And then the Holy Spirit has come into their lives and they're different. They're, they're changed. That's good seed. Okay? Are we all straight on that? You can't earn it. That's not what this is saying. Don't be thinking that's what, what this is saying. Now, so you have good seed, and they're doing their good seed thing. And you have bad seed, and they're doing their bad seed thing. And again, I'm full of asides today, but there's another side. There is a certain weed called a Darnell weed. 
I'm into weeds now because I've been trying to grow grass in my backyard. Anyways, there's this weed called the Darnell weed, and it looks like wheat. In fact, when it's growing up, it looks like wheat. It's hard to distinguish. What's wheat? What's a Darnell? You don't know. But you do know when it fully matures, because when it fully matures, it gives these seeds that are black and poisonous, okay? So I think maybe Jesus is referring to this. If you're into farming, you probably know about the Darnell wheat. Anyways, the good seed are kind of revealing themselves. The bad seed are kind of revealing themselves. And then there's this dialogue. Why are they together? Well, the enemy came and sowed this. Okay, well, what do we do? Okay, well, we, uh, just wait. And when it's time, then we'll separate. Now, it's all, once you say that this parable, it's all moving somewhere, and I think it's moving somewhere according to a narrative because it's the movement and the culmination of this parable that I think is the driving main point. Now, what is the driving main point? I don't think it has to be more complex. I actually think it's pretty obvious. I think the main driving point and the climax of this parable is that there is a day of future judgment. There is a day of future judgment. And it's a terrifying day for people who reject God, who have not received the, the forgiveness that he's offered them, have not received the power of the Holy Spirit to live for his glory. But on that same day, it is going to be this amazing celebration for people who have received the grace of God and received the Holy Spirit and live for his glory. Now, that's, that's what I think is the, drive, uh, the, the main driving idea. Um, and I, I wanted, to, uh, I wanted to, to build on that. You know, I was wondering, like... Um, I'm wondering if, why is it that we don't talk about this teaching that much? I don't know if you guys have been around a lot of churches where they talk about Matthew 13 and the parable of the weeds, but I was reflecting that, you know, we don't think about that a lot. And I think one of the reasons why is because our culture sort of teaches us to just live in the here and the now. And not to think about like these things, these things that are dark, these things that are negative. And so I think that's kind of come into the church to the point where the church doesn't even talk about it. And here it is in um, chapter 13. And so I'm thinking we sort of need to talk about this. Now, um, I, I have a, a bit of an illustration to kind of maybe hopefully bring this home, and, and Chris, maybe you can help me with this. I've, I've used this illustration before, and the reason why I use it um, today is not necessarily for the novelty of it, but I'm using it because, I, for me, it's a powerful reminder. And so I think we could use a, a bit of reminding. So, Chris, could you back up just so that this line is kind of taut? Okay. H here we go. This is... Um, this is, if you look at this rope, this rope represents your life, right? This is your timeline, right? Okay? This is your life. And so, the, Chris, okay, there we go. Okay, okay. We'll do a little bit of a tug of war. Okay. So, on this uh, a, a timeline, this right here is the very day that you were born, okay? 
And uh, right now, um, you're right about here on the timeline, this black tape. You guys see this black tape? This is where you are. Now, this is how most of us sort of live, okay? We read chapter 13, and we're thinking, okay, uh, Jesus is coming back. There's a future day of judgment. And you're thinking, okay, when is he going to come back? I don't know, maybe, maybe you've thought about that. When is Jesus going to come back? And I think most people will go, sometime like way out there. Most people, right? Most people are like, yeah, I don't think I'm going to have it in my lifetime. Like I've actually said to someone, I think it won't be in my lifetime or my kids' lifetime, but maybe their kids and their kids. Yeah, you ever said something like that? It's like way out there, kind of, kind of over there. No, he, here's the thinking. If you're saying, I think it's way out there, then you're also thinking, well, you know something, I probably have like maybe like 40 more years to live. 20 more lives, years to live. And so Jesus coming back is just, is, it just, yeah, it's, just, it's irrelevant. And I think what a lot of people do is what's relevant to me is here this black tape. And this black tape is like, it's all the pressures that I have right now. And, you know, I got people in my family and I worry about that. I got kids to raise and I got this boss and he's super like demanding to me. And then I got like these in-laws and I got these school, these deadlines. I got deadlines. God damn, I'm really busy. I'm really, and so we kind of walk around life like this. You know, this is my life and this is my thought and this is my planning. We just kind of move around like this. Does this look like anyone here today? Okay, and then here Jesus is coming and saying, okay, I know you're really into the busyness of the here and now, but can we just take a step back and look at the big picture? Now, if you look at the big picture, this is your life. This is your life. And at some point in the future, I'm coming back. Now, look at the words that Jesus uses, and I want to be gentle here because I want to be sensitive. But at the same time, we've got to be honest. Now, in this scripture, oh, man, it's crazy. Now, what do I mean? Jesus is like, Here's this parable. He doesn't always do this. He's like, here is the explanation. And then if you read further down in the chapter, he gives another parable that's almost exactly like this one. Same main idea. So, so back, just imagine Jesus like, uh, you know, it's not like he's going to put an exclamation mark on this one, but he's trying to say this is really important. So I told it to you, and I explained it to you, and then I'm giving you another parable just like it because this is really important. I don't want you to miss this. So Jesus, is he's using words like there is a day of judgment, and on that day of judgment, there, um, people will be separated, and people who have rejected God, they will go to this place. And again, I want to be honest and sensitive. Jesus is weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's how he describes hell. And he, he says it's a blazing furnace. And that's, that's terrifying. And those are the words that Jesus uses. Now, let me, let me uh, qualify. Let me explain. I think the very worst thing about hell is that there's no trace of God. God is goodness himself. God is not there in hell. There's no trace of God. And I think that's the main driving reason why it's excruciating. Okay, we've covered that. And so I've just been clear about that. Okay, but on that day, on that day, don't miss this. Don't miss this. That's the bad news. The good news is that for those who have received the grace of God, 
For those who have received the power of the Holy Spirit and then their lives have changed. Jesus makes this promise. Now look at how he describes um, the, the, the people of God. I think it's beautiful words. Uh, in, in the scripture when they talk about heaven, you know, there's like, there's like this amazing feast, you know. But this, this one describes heaven a little bit different. It says that we will shine like the sun. Right? We will be so filled with the glory of God. There will be so much joy, so much beauty. We're just going to shine as brilliant as the sun. It's beautiful, beautiful words in such an economic way of saying it. You guys, I want you to think about this. A lot of times we are so focused on this, so focused on here and now and something like that. And we're like, oh, Jesus is coming back. I don't know. It's so far away. It's irrelevant. And I'll hear Jesus saying, no, 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 no. You don't understand. There is a day of judgment for all God's people. You're going to shine like the sun for eternity. I mean, look at this rope. For eternity. Look at that. That is your life. Get ready for it. And so God is, Jesus is exhorting us. Because of that, it changes the way you live on the black tape. It changes all the decisions that we make. That impacts this. And this is the here and now. And if we keep our eyes on what's at stake and we keep our eyes on eternity, man, you live every day different. Every day is different. Can I get an amen? Thank you, Chris. Um, I I wanted to continue to try to make this um, uh, practical. So the, the main driving idea of this parable is that there is a day of judgment, and on that day, it's going to be terrifying, and it's also going to be glorious for God's people, and they will shine like the sun. Okay, so that's, that's the driving idea, and, and it's like Jesus saying, now that changes everything. Now, let me try to go a little bit more concrete in how that changes everything. Now, I, I, I'm thinking this. A lot of times when we make decisions, I think we, we bring some faulty values, and those faulty values are causing us to approach and have questions or are a little bit faulty. Now, this is what I think the, the, the questions come into play when we're making sort of critical decisions, okay? So I'll just give you an example. Um, <clears throat> I think when we make a decision, sometimes we kind of go, can I be a Christian and still do blank, right? Right? I, I think that's the kind of our approach a lot of times. Now, let me give you some easy ones. These are softballs, okay? Can I be a Christian and still drink a beer tonight? Okay, someone said that really quickly, like, yes. Okay, I, I hope so. All right, okay. Can I be a Christian and watch that movie? Okay, my brother's like, yes. I, you don't even know what the movie is, brother. Okay, right? Okay, but, but for generally, yeah, we're not going to be legalistic. I can watch that movie. Okay, okay, right, sure. Uh, but this one, can I be a Christian and still advance in my career? Yeah, yeah, we're on a roll. Just whatever I say, just say yes, okay? Uh, can, I, can I be a Christian and, like, not make it to church every Sunday? <laughs> Thank you, brother. But I think some of us, yeah, yeah, you can. 
You know, I mean, we, we can go down. Can I be a Christian and not necessarily be baptized or not tithe? Can I be a Christian and not really, like, proactively share my faith with, with my relatives or coworkers? Can I be a, a Christian and, and kind, of, kind of neglect my parents? I don't think people really ask that question, but sometimes you're thinking about that. Or no, you're not. But, but, but you could just imagine something like that. Can I be a Christian and, and, and do this? X, Y, Z. Can, can I? Now imagine Jesus saying, look, 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 look. No, 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 no. You're going about it all wrong. You're going about it all wrong. You know why? Because there's a day of judgment. There's a day of judgment. And, and your destiny is going to be, you're going to shine like the sun. And it's all about that day. It's all about that day. The here and now is all preparation for that day. So, so I think the better approach is when you're making decisions, like you're planning your calendar for 2018, I think the better way to approach it is I could make that, um, I, I, could, I could do that, but will it prepare me for that day? Isn't that the better decision? I could do that. I could say yes to that. I could say no to that. I don't want to be legalistic. But will it prepare me for that day? Because it's all about that day. Should I date this person? Well, you can. But will it prepare you for that day? Should I marry that person? Well, you can. But will it prepare you for that day? Should I shift careers? Well, you can. But will it prepare you for that day? Should I enroll my kids in this activity? It's going to keep them preoccupied. and It's going to get them driven on a certain... You can. But will it prepare them for that day? Should I go to Stanford? No. There you go, right? I mean, I mean, certain questions are easier. Certain questions are easier. Just like, no, right? Should, should, I, should, I, should I get on this track? Should I, um, should I go for the corner office? Should I, should I have my Friday nights be filled with home group time? You can. But will it prepare you for that day? Because it's all about that day. Now, I'm not saying you earn, you earn your salvation. I'm not saying that. Come on. Jesus earned it. And he earned it for you so that you would shine on that day. You ready to shine? Because the preparation for shining sort of starts like now. Not a preparation, preparation. Living for that day starts now. Celebrating that day starts. Anticipating that day starts now. Being hungry for that day starts now. It's all about that day. And can I get another Amen. Okay, I promised you two more parables. Let's keep on going with two more parables. Um, okay, now we're going to do the mustard seed and the leaven. Um, and so this is right in the middle. It's a chiastic structure. Now we're going to go right to the middle of this chunk of scripture. Um, and uh, here's what I want us to do. We're going to find the driving idea. This is a couplet. They come together. Now, why they come together, they're very similar. Don't be thinking that Jesus is just saying the same message two times. There is a certain message, a certain nuance that comes and rises to the surface when you start actually comparing the differences. But I do think we're going to spend more time in the second parable, okay? And if we do have time, I'll give you um, a moment to try to find the nuance yourself. Okay, let's read um, 31, 32, and 33. He put another parable before them saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed. 
small seed, really, really small, okay, that a man took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but when it has grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. 33, he told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven, yeast, that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till it was all leavened. Okay, why don't you turn to someone next to you? One person shared the similarity, the other person shared the difference, and we're going to come back in like one minute. Let's go. Okay, can we have the next person share if they haven't already? Okay. All right, let's do this. Um, I think we have time to do this. Let's talk about what they have in common. Let's do a little bit of interaction. Okay, in both of these parables, what does the mustard seed and the leaven have in common? Go ahead, hit me. They are both plants. (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) Yes, they are both plants. Thank you. And they are, you never know what you get when you get like audience participation. They are both plants, and that's very true. But they're also both what? Small. They're also both small plants. Thank you, brother. They're small plants. And let me emphasize the small. So when God comes into a person's life, it starts, okay, and then give it some time and it becomes, okay, yeah, I, I, think, I think that's it. Uh, the kingdom of God, it starts small. Give it some time, it becomes big. Ah, but now let's do some, like, comparing. How are these two different? Well, I, I think if you closely examine it, the first one is more external. Small mustard seed, you can see it kind of grow, then it becomes this big, and then when it becomes this big plant, you get birds and come, they, they nest in the branches, you know. It's very visible. But the second one is more internal. Now, I thought a better way to kind of illustrate this is just to really do it. Um, What I have here is some dough. I wish it was bigger, but my friend made this for me, and I'm just really thankful that they made it for me. So this is just flour and water from someone's kitchen today, uh, and and, and here it is. Now, you know, honestly, I've I've never really done this before, so I'm not really quite sure how much you put in. But I, I imagine it's just a small amount, right? Because... Small, starts small. So I'm going to just put a small amount of uh, dough. She recommended I bring a bowl because, so it wouldn't be messy, but I said, no, it won't be messy, not a bit. Um, okay, and th- what you do is you just knead it, right? You just knead the dough, and I think you do it like this, and you just kind of mix it all up, and uh, how's that? I, I don't know how long you're supposed to do that, but I, I, that sounds pretty good to me. It sounds pretty evenly distributed to me. All right, so here we go. 
and here is your lump of dough right here. Now, gosh, I didn't know it was going to be this messy. Okay. <laughs> it is this messy. Though. Okay. All right. <clears throat> this is the parable. It's about kneading dough and leaven just got mixed up into this dough, right? So you're thinking, okay, what's, what's the point of the parable? Now, now, something is happening here that's pretty incredible. I, I did a little bit of research. Um, yeast molecules, they love sugar, and so there's sugar in the flour. So right now, the, the, the yeast molecules are like bonding to the sugar. They're eating the sugar. They, they love the sugar. And so they're metabolizing the sugar, and when that happens, then it releases. Something beautiful happens inside. On, on a, like, and then it releases alcohol and carbon dioxide, and when that happens, then the whole thing sort of rises, Okay. So this is all happening right now, and I want you just to take a really close look. I don't know if you can, do you see stuff that's happening? How about, how about now? Okay. Yeah, but something amazing is happening. Now, you just, you just but, but here's the thing, you're like, I, I don't see it. No, 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 but believe me, just take my word. There's something amazing that's happening. The very constitution of the dough is changing. You're like, uh, it is? I don't really, I don't see it. Oh, no, 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 it's really happening. Trust me, have eyes of faith. It's kind of like, I think the, the, the message of the leaven, actually, I, I put it up, uh, Bruce, if you could, if you, yeah, okay. All right. Okay, <laughs> all right, let's just keep on going. All right, okay. Uh, I believe the message is the kingdom of heaven starts small, but then transforms from the inside out. I, the effect of this message, of this parable, it's almost like, I know it doesn't look like much, but, but believe me, God is doing some amazing thing inside. Give it some time, and it's going to be beautiful. I almost feel like that's the message. Uh, let, me, let me put it like this way. Let me, let, me, let, me try to, let me try to put it another way. Okay, let me put it, oh, okay. I, I want you all to just um, take, take a good look at me. All right, just take a I, I know you can just make observation. I, re, I recently got a haircut. I know it's a bad one. I know it looks like a Q-tip head. I know I got blue glasses. I'm 5'5". Five five. I'm not really all that tall. I got really doughy hands. I can keep on going on. But you guys, if you're looking at me, I know I don't look like much. But you got to believe God's doing some amazing stuff inside. And you give it time, it's going to be beautiful. Amen. <laughs> I didn't see a lot of conviction there. Uh, let, let's do this. Let's, let's, all, let's all stand up. I want you guys just to look at each other. I just wanted you guys to look around the room. I want you guys to look at each other, just look around the room. Uh, maybe you can look at the next person next to you. Uh, but look at, or you can maybe just feel com comfortable looking at the whole community. You're like, guys, I know we don't look like much. I know we don't look like much. But you know something? God's doing something amazing in this community. You give it some time, it's going to be beautiful. Okay, you guys can sit down. <laughs> I'm wondering about those, those New Year's resolutions. I'm wondering if people are like, you know, I was hoping to have changed more. 
I was hoping to have grown more from last year to this year. I'm a little bit disappointed. And maybe the word for you is, you know something? I know your growth may not look like much. But you got to believe God's doing something amazing inside you. Give it some time, and God's going to do something beautiful. I also want to just press a little bit further, because I, I just imagine that some people here are like, okay, that sounds great, but I don't know. What does that look like? Remember the context, right? Jesus was doing ministry. John was saying these lofty things about Jesus. Jesus on the scene for 10 chapters. Some people are just like, I don't see it. I don't know what to expect. Some people are like, okay, I will believe that, but what can I expect? What does it look like? Well, let me actually go a little bit deeper. Right now, this bread is rising. It is rising. Some, there's a power that's at work inside this bread. And really, what happened is that the yeast from this jar is all mixed up in this bread. It's interacting. It's rising from the inside out. Great. But just imagine if I were like, hey, guys, this is you, this is the yeast, and I put it right next to the bread and said, bam, let it rise. Nothing's going to happen. What did I need to do? I needed to open the jar. I needed to take the particle. I needed to put it in the bread. I needed to knead the bread and mush it together and mush it together. And then when the yeast is interacting with the flour, then it starts to rise. Can it be that the reason why you're not growing, can it be? is because you take a jar and you're just putting it next to your dough. But it's not mixing into your life. No, okay, what do you, what do you, can you be more concrete? I think the leaven is the word of God. I think mixing it into the dough is by the power of the Holy Spirit and you need both desperately in your life. This dough is not rising Unless leaven is broken out of the jar, out of your Bible, into your life, mixing into your life. And that happens, it happens in the morning when you, when you get up and you, you, you put your mind in God's word. And it happens throughout the day when you're praying by the power of the Holy Spirit to abide in God's word throughout the day. That's the yeast um, poured out from the jar, mixing into the dough of your life. That's how it works. So my question to you is, do you, are you, is your mind in the word of God? Are you mixing into that word? Are you praying by the power of the Holy Spirit? Do you, do you have that sort of regimen? Is that leaven penetrating your life on a daily basis? Now, if it's not, my invitation to you is, you know, we're going to be tracking along in the, in the gospel of Matthew. Why not make the chapter that we focus on every Sunday what you, your mind is going through through the rest of the week? I mean, it's, they're big chapters, so you can just take a chunk every day, and throughout the day, you can be praying by the power of the Spirit to abide by that word. And you know what happens? Your life starts to change. I always remember talking to a leader in our church, and um, <clears throat> she once shared with me that she used to struggle in her marriage. And I, uh, I was surprised because I always saw her as having a really healthy and strong marriage. And she did. But she said to me, well, actually, no, it didn't start that way. She said, we struggled a lot in marriage. And then I, got, uh, I enrolled in this Bible study. And every day, I was getting into God's word. 
And God's word was just alive and convicting. It was like yeast, you know, just alive and convicting. And I just started from the inside out as God's word was in my mind. I just started to change. And my husband would notice these changes. And, and he was also, in, and he started to change. And then our marriage changed. It was slowly. It didn't happen overnight. But God was doing his work inside my heart. And that's how we have the, the marriage that we, we have. You guys, this is you. And we need to apply God's word and the power of God's spirit on a daily basis in 2018. That's how people change. Okay, quick review. If you remember uh, the first parable, uh, Jesus is saying there is a day of judgment And God's people are going to shine like the sun for all of eternity. So every decision you make, I charge you for the glory of Christ. Prepare yourself for that day. You can say yes to that decision, but will it prepare you for that day? And then with this second uh, parable, I want you guys to be encouraged. We need to apply God's word into our heart. You know why? Into our minds and our, you know why? It, it transforms us from the inside out. That's what God's doing. Doesn't happen overnight. In fact, it might not look like much now, but God's doing something amazing in your heart. Give it some time and you will become beautiful in Christ. Let's pray. Father, I, I thank you that your word is transformative and you are doing a beautiful and a powerful work of transformation in the lives of your people here at Christian Layman Church. I thank you for that, Lord. And I also thank you that you have given us this clarity of the end. And so uh, with the end in mind and eternity in mind, it changes every decision we make in the here and now. And I thank you for those powerful words. May they have full effect in our lives in Jesus' name. Amen.